Blog Talk Radio. Real sports guys. Yeah, it's no just one of those things. Just get it done, fellas. Yeah. 
they they just off. Hey, but I tell you, right you, you know what's at the core of that, man? Everybody's getting paid. As Stringer Barrel said, everybody when he formed the co-op, everybody eats. <laughs> everybody eats. So, on my left, I got my man, Phil T Sports PhD. What's happening, Captain? I'm over here a bit confused, man. I'm trying to figure out how you made it to two fantasy football ship, uh, championship weeks. I know, man. I should have had a third. I should have made it in a third. The Saints screwed me over. I had too many Saints in my lineup in week 13, and they had a, they laid an egg. They came back last week, and they played really well, but it's too late. I'm already in consolation bracket. I don't need them points now. I need those points in week 13. But, yes, I am in two championships. Um, I should have been in three. But I don't want to be greedy. <laughs> so, and I'm trying to go back to back in in, uh, in one. I'm, I'm trying to be back to back champ. Um, but I'm walking away with some money, either way, and I'm I'm, I'm happy about that. I'm happy about that. Um, so for all the listeners out there, we got a great show for you all tonight. Um, we're gonna jump right in. Uh, well, this is the intro to let you know. We'll give you a quick rundown of everything we have in store for you tonight. Uh, in the funky editorial, we're going to talk about college players leaving their teams. Not just leaving school early, but like leaving before all the games are done. <laughs> this is a new thing that's going on. Where guys are just like, I'm out. <laughs> they hit them with the, uh, with the Ralph from, uh, <laughs> from Harlem Knights. <laughs> They called him up in the middle of the night and said, hey, put your mother on the phone. Hey, baby, this is Ralph. I ain't coming home no more. Take it easy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So we're going to get into that. We're going to hit you with a five on the black hand side where we go through and get you primed for the NFL playoffs. We're going to talk a little NBA. And we're going to keep it sweet and gully for you for the next 90 minutes, as we always do about this time. So uh, we're going to keep it rolling. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into this funky editorial, as we always do. I got the sound loaded up, and it's going to hit you in the face like this. Fellas, the one thing we need to say, shall we say it, y'all? Melvin, Jimmy, Coleman, Ryan, sit. Everybody want to get funky one more time. All right, this is edition of the Funky Editorial. We're going to talk about Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette, both telling their teams, sorry, I ain't coming home no more, even though there's a bowl game still to be played at both schools. Now, there's been a lot of talk just about how to interpret what the guys are doing. Is this the right move to make? You know, the real sports guys got to weigh in and give you our perspective. PhD, what are your thoughts on this decision by these two athletes to forego the bowl game and just start getting ready for the draft? It's pretty bold. It's uh, when I first heard about this, I was like, oh, okay. I mean, I guess it is 2016, and I guess it is about all about self promotion and self preservation, but. Man, it like gets at the core of what ball is as a team sport, where somebody is stepping up to be like, "Hey, it's not in my personal best interest 
to play and take this risk of getting injured or even lowering my stock with a poor performance. However, coaches do this all the time. They do it all the time, and they're permitted to do this without any um, penalty, and it's become such a commonplace that it's fine. Twenty years ago, coaches were uh, – they would – I mean, you think about Bill Frieder with Michigan. Bill Frieder took another job during that 89 season, I believe a little bit before the NCAA, and he wanted to coach the team through the end of the season, um, but Michigan wouldn't allow that. But that was something that was commonly done, and it's something that's commonly, that, that was commonly done as well. But now it's, it's become common where coaches will announce they're not going to be there, kind of like Herman in Houston and a couple other places, and they don't coach your team through the ball game. Or assistants, they don't coach your team through the ball game. Um, in the NFL, an assistant may take a job, but they're still expected to coach you the Super Bowl. So there's been inconsistent. Like, like, I think that we have kind of moved on over the last 15 years going to this point, and it started with the coaches, in my opinion, so I don't necessarily have an issue with it, but it did kind of stop me in my tracks. I had to rewind the podcast, and I was listening to this, and I'm like, wait a minute. Did they just say that these two players are doing this? Yeah, it is something that is different. Um, you know, I go back, and football, and I'm a basketball guy, but football is the ultimate team sport, in my opinion. Um, and one, one, one athlete can have an impact in football, but it doesn't have near the impact that it has in other sports. Um, football is truly a team game. So this was a little shocking to me. Um, I was kind of caught off guard just as you were. Um, and it took me back to my days as a teammate and as a player. And it's like, as an athlete, would I have made this decision? I probably wouldn't have made this decision. But if a teammate would have made this decision, I would have understood, but I wouldn't have been happy about it, if that makes sense. Like, like we still got a game, bro. Like, we still got to play. I get it. I understand why you're making a decision. I still would have been a little salty about it because it's like, yo, now we got to go out there without him. And if he's got a chance to be drafted, then he's obviously an impact player. Um, but I understand it. But And I think I would have understood, like, but he has a future in this, and he has to preserve that, and he has to protect that. Um, and, and, and football is different than other sports, in my opinion, because – you are always one play away, and that one play could be the first play of the game. You know what I mean? Like, it could be any of the plays. And I think that's, there's just a different level of mortality in football where it could be over like that in football, and everything could go out the window in a four-second play. Um, and there's nothing you can do about it to stop it. Um, and so running that risk, it's an interesting thing. Like, it, it, is, a, it is a very interesting um, phenomenon. Um, like I said, I understand it. I get it. If I were a 21-year-old who was on one of these teams, I would feel a certain way about one of my teammates doing it. Um, me, personally, I wouldn't have made that choice, but I, again, I understand why somebody might make that choice. Um, and, I, and, I'm not, and I'm not one of those people that's like, this is wrong, this goes against what a team is about. It, it does, but it doesn't. Um, one, these bowl games mean nothing. I mean, this is just a money grab by the university. And, and the adult part of me 
it's like, yeah, do that, young fella. Do what you got to do. You know what I mean? Like, and that's where I kind of stepped back and was like, would I be that way as a tour? If this was my teammate, you know, if this was the great Henry, Henry Grant, and he had a chance to go to the NBA draft, and we had a couple of games left in our season, and he was like, yeah, I'm out, fellas. I got to go get ready for this draft. Um, I would have felt a certain type of way about that. Now, again, basketball is different. It's not a, like, final exhibition game um, that doesn't really mean a whole lot. Um, if you're playing in the postseason in basketball, you're usually playing for something. Um, and football is different in that way where we have these bowl games that are really, again, just showcases for the programs. Um, and I'm not necessarily mad that these guys are sitting these out. Um, because, again, it's just about the program. It's about the school. It's about the coach. It's about, I mean, and you said it, some coaches don't even coach in the bowl game. So um, it's an interesting phenomenon. Uh, D. Wills, what are your thoughts on the uh, McCaffrey and Fournette kind of foregoing this bowl game in order to prepare for the NFL draft? I mean, I, you know, I love it. I mean, I, I mean, uh, they are exercising the power. I mean, I think the underlying thing is you've also seen the impact of the championship series, right? And um, where it's making it easier for these folks to make decisions. You know, so, you know, it's not only, you know, I don't think they would be foregoing if they are playing in the Final Four. So you even add that element into it, um, you know, I, you can't argue against it. I mean, um, the kind of stuff, you know, now it can work for certain players. It can't work for everybody. And so um, it'd be interesting how teams evaluate players who make decisions like that. Because, you know, you don't know who might be um, looking at it in terms of that as a character issue, right? Um, and so, you know, for Nat, you can justify a number of levels. He's been injured. He's been pounding. the life of a, of a running back. Um, you could actually make that better catch for McCaffrey. But I think one is, the interesting thing is, you know, can that work for everyone and how how – how are players going to be evaluated on on intangibles and other things as it relates to this decision? Now, it'll be interesting to see how that stuff plays out. Yeah, I don't see it mattering that much. Um, I, they they draft guys with more checkered histories, more, with worse stuff on their resumes than this. You know what I mean? Um, and if you can play, they'll draft you. They'll take you. Um, so I don't think I don't think I think the powers that be don't want this to become a trend, and I think they're pushing that line of thought. But I don't think it – because, again, I, I think playing in the bowl isn't going to help their stock. You know, some people have said, well, they're not going to help their stock by not playing in the bowl. No, playing in the bowl is only going to hurt them. Like, they can get hurt, and that's really it. Like, it's not going to – playing in the bowl game is not going to improve their stock. For, for these few elite. But, I mean, you got folks who are not quite in the elite category for which a ball game could make a difference for that side. But the, the interesting part about it is how do you market Stanford? Like, if, when you got Stanford and you knew that McCaffrey, the marketing plan was already written. Like, that's the crazy part that's the layer of this is which is hurting the money people. 
you know, we're here, you know, we're here in the stuff with the Wisconsin game where you can get tickets for like five dollars. It's Cotton Bowl because it's so big. But just think about the impact on those games, LSU, in terms of marketing, fans coming. You know, I, I don't mind. I'm just, I'm, I'm just gonna be interested to see the fallout around, around that, and what that forces, what people try to do, um, as they see this as a potential uh, way of losing money for ball games they thought they were gonna be making money on. Right, and, and so that's where I don't have a problem with the kids saying, "Well, yeah, all that." Yeah. I mean, really, it's just about you making money off of me, and I'm not getting none yeah. of it anyway. So I'm right. Like I'm right. I'm, I'm yeah. about to get a check. I'm yeah. gonna make sure I get my check. <laughs> You know what I mean? And I ain't right. mad at that at all. I no, ain't mad at I'm that at yet. all. You know, PAZ, what other perspective you got on this? Nothing. I gave it all to you, man. I, yeah. I, I just gave it all. Yeah. It's bold. It, in a way, I admire it, like Devon said. Like, the players are exercising their rights. They're showing that they have leverage. But I think it's going to be a trend. <laughs> hey, watch. We're going to have a player who is projected to be an undrafted free agent do the same thing. <laughs> and watch. It's years. <laughs> it is. A cat, who, a cat who was honorable mention, uh, all conference, and flat. I'm be like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna play in the D, in the uh, in the FCS uh, um, playoffs. I'm, I'm not gonna do that because I don't want to get hurt. I'm hoping I'll, you know, I may not get invited to the combine, but I'm not gonna play. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here's the here's the question and it's interesting angle I want to explore with you too. Um, if this does become a trend and we do have these high profile elite players. Bowing out of bowl games, does this start to signal the end of the bowl format and the bowl structure the way we we now know it? PhD, maybe because you you have to think about the bowls that that LSU and Stanford are going to. I, I'm not sure if those bowls were automatically slotted based on where they finish in their conference, so. It may be in the future if we start seeing more and more players do this, the bowls who, you know, many of these bowls, the bowls can make invitations based on um, the available teams and how well they think those teams are going to draw from their own fan bases but other fans in the area who will come. And so if wherever this bowl's at that Stanford is going to play, I'm not a big fan of Stanford. Whoever they're playing, I'm probably not a big fan of. But I did kind of want to see McCaffrey play. So if McCaffrey's not playing, I may be less likely to go to that bowl. Or say if it's an hour drive for me, I may be less likely to do it. So it may go into the decision point of these teams or of, of the invitations to the bowls, which influence, you know, based on the better bowls means more money to the schools or to the conferences. And so I can start to see this being impacted and the school stepping in and maybe asking for more of a commitment and getting more involved with these things. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I definitely could see that something's going to happen to – there's going to be a push 
to try and ensure that this does not become a trend um, because I do think it could have some, some unintended ramifications to the current bowl system and structure for sure. D. Wills, your thoughts? Will this threaten the bowl system? Man, the bowl is the biggest hustle. It's, it's on Putin level hustle. And um, <laughs> they would not have agreed to the championship series if these folks in these local spaces wasn't getting their money. So I think it's a threat, but it's going to be a fight. Too many cats making money off the, uh, uh, what's it, Punsetto Bowl. And, I mean, that's, folks are, you, you, you saw the scandals they had a few years back on how they were doing that money out. I mean, they were doing some Olympic-sized scandals, you know, soccer-level size skits. So folks are making money on these bowls, man. And so there's some scared people who, you know, were getting, uh, you know, new cars, TV sets on this bowl thing. I mean, so much business gets done, the way some of these these local cats hustle and make money. Yeah, I I can see it going there, but it's going to be a fight. And they're going to come up with some. You know it's going to be a fight when they come up with some kind of crazy rule to try to counter this. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the challenge that they're going to face is figuring out how do they how do, how do they do they legislate this in an open way and kind of create a rule of some kind. Um, but then again, I think now you're getting to this slippery slope of like, you know, if I decide I'm not going to play, I'm not going to play. Like I, I can't really. Uh, I can't really – you can't stop me. You can't make me play. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, I'm saying yeah, I don't want the scholarship anymore. I'm done with school. Our game. deal is over. That's right. Some Popovich type stuff will be starting to happen. I got a cold. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're they going to come yeah. with – you know, it's too much money, man. I mean, when you charge you charge the impact on McCaffrey not playing or Seth Burnett not playing in terms of attendance, because they announced it so early, you know, you know, that affects people whether or not they're going to go or not. And so... Or why? I mean, they, like, they I'm not watching these bowls. No. I mean, no. it's going to affect the TV money as well because I'm not watching Stanford without McCaffrey. I, and I'm not... I probably wasn't going to watch this bowl anyway because I'm not a fan of either team that's participating. But if McCaffrey was balling and having a good game, I might just tune in. Or if it's Fournette's last game, you know what I mean, I might check that out. But not anymore. Mm. So it, I think it's, a, I, I think it's an interesting thing. How do your teammates? Go ahead. React? How do your teammates react? Because it's like the cat who got out of detention. You know that look. You look at him like you looking in at you while you're sitting in there. It's like like you left us here on the on the plantation. I mean, I don't. How do you like that whole dynamic? How is that playing out? Yeah, and that's kind of what I was getting at. Like, that'd be an interesting locker room to be in. Like, I understand. Like, I, I, I'm sure guys get it. Like, guys get it, and they want to be able to be in that position to have to make that decision. Yeah. Again, I don't know as an athlete if I would have made that decision, um, but I also wasn't sure that I had this like other life athletically after my last college game. Um, yeah, it's just a different situation. Like, if I knew. I was going to, like, my last game, I was going to squeeze every game I could out of college. Um, every game I could play in, I was going to play in it. Um, I don't know if I knew I had a whole another like, football life after 
college or basketball that I, that I would have had that same perspective or that same desire to continue to play every single game. Again, basketball is so different because if you're playing in the postseason, you're playing for something. And these games are, again, very much the trophies are might as well be made out of plastic. They don't matter um, at all. Yeah. I mean, you tell me who won the Sun Bowl last year. Yeah, I can't tell you. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But so, I'm going to tell you something. Um, no, matter, no matter who won, somebody got paid. And it wasn't played. Yes. Like, <laughs> right. And it, went, right, and it wasn't the athletes. I think Phil brought up a good point when he talked about coaches have been doing this for a minute. Um, this has been general practice for coaches for a while um, where, you know, I mean, the guy from Houston, um, he was having talks with teams, you know, while they were still playing games during the season because the LSU rumor came out during the season that he was going to take the LSU job before Houston had even finished. They had, like, a game left at least or maybe two uh, when that rumor came out. Um, And I still think – where did he wind up at Texas? Is that where he went? Texas. Yeah, Texas. I mean, they they announced that before the season was over. You know what I mean? I think they announced that with like a game left. Like it was kind of a foregone deal. So like this whole idea that the players and this is what irks me just about society and the way people view sports and like players are held to such a different standard than coaches in a lot of different situations. Whether it's transfer rules, where coaches can just up and leave. Um, a school and then kids got to like sit a year where the coach can go coach somewhere else right away. Um, well, he, and he, he's under contract. You know what I mean? Like the coach is under contract with the school. I don't know. I, I just, that double standard always with, particularly with college athletics always just kind of irks me a little bit. It kind of, it just doesn't sit right with me. The fact that coaches can move about freely, but the student athlete is kind of bound to an institution in a way that doesn't make sense and it's not the way any other student is bound to an institution. Like, you know, you transfer schools as a as a music major on music on a music scholarship, you ain't got a city like they can't you ain't got a city year <laughs> before you can go back out and play music again. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's that's kind of ridiculous. You know, but you made the same commitment, you're on a scholarship, you know what I'm saying? you're at an institution for a specific skill set to do something, to learn, to study. But then for some reason with athletics, and again, I just think I'm not going to get on the soapbox, but I just think athletics is held to a really weird standard at a collegiate level. And I'm not sure why anymore is it held to that standard. Um, When we allow, when we tout free market principles in a lot of different other areas, we kind of have these archaic rules when it comes to collegiate athletics um, and I don't understand it. I don't get it at all. Yes, but, you're right. Because if, you, if, you, if you're the first chair to a player in the Wisconsin band and you decide to transfer to Michigan and you immediately become the first chair to a player in Michigan, nobody can have a problem. You know, or how State. You and you can do that high. immediately. You do that immediately. Like, yeah, you don't lose you any eligibility or <laughs> – right. You go right. right. You go right to practice. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Well, they're gangsters now. These youngins, these youngins are getting gangsters. They're not thinking. I just want to know what was the conversation like? Like, how do you go in to the coaches? Like, what do you say? Do you just do you send a representative? 
But I know the McCaffrey, the McCaffrey stuff was some gangster stuff because it's you know it's Bob and everything else. They probably just you know they did what they did. But like, what's the conversation like? Oh, and, <laughs> and so here's the other piece though. So you have that you have the actual conversation, and we talk about like locker rooms. Like this couldn't have been yeah. a surprise to their teammates. I don't think it was a surprise no. to their teammates. I don't think the teammates mm-hmm. were surprised. Like you knew Fournette. I mean, you could. I think if you were on that team, you probably knew Fournette was like he had one foot out the door all season. And if you talked to one of those dudes on the team privately, like they would tell you that, right? Or in three years after they've graduated, they will tell you like, yeah, Fournette had his foot out the door all season, man. You know, or McCaffrey. We knew he was like that. I mean, like this shouldn't make a yeah. like if McCaffrey was your guy before, he's probably still your guy. And if you didn't like him before, or if you thought he was selfish before, he's probably still he's probably still that guy. Like I don't think this changes. Yeah. I don't think these guys woke up and all of a sudden became these dudes who were like, "I'm not going to play in this game." I think the writing was on the wall for a long time, um, and there are probably conversations that happened with David Shaw and Ed Orgeron um, way before we got to this point. Because again, this has come out really early in the process. Yeah. So they've they've been made this decision. You know what I mean? Like the bowl games are a couple weeks away or now just getting started, but they've been made this decision that they wasn't going to play, you know. Because neither of these teams also, I mean, Stanford kind of had a shot, um, but neither of these teams was like on the cusp of getting into the playoff, right? You know, neither of these teams was like on the bubble. You don't know the role the coaches played in it because – as you know, when you practice for the bowl, this is an opportunity. It's almost like a preseason. You're doing a lot of work with these young players, and you don't know how much these coaches, because they, you know, they're not playing for a national championship. This is an opportunity for them, a young running back, they want to start next year in a, in a, in a bigger game situation. So, you know, one thing we don't know is the role the coaches play, and even, in their, you know, even starting their succession plan early. Because a win or loss right. is not going to hurt one of these coaches. And they may, you know, we're assuming that the coaches weren't all right with it. In some ways, it might be an advantage to them. They don't have to deal with all the media stuff with McCaffrey. And the, they can get a sense of their depth chart because they have an opportunity to start somebody thinking they're going to be starting next year in a bowl game. Like, almost like early kind of spring practice with a scrimmage as a bowl. So, so we are assuming that the coaches aren't cool with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Like, you know, you, you just don't know what perspective. Like, we all assume this old school don't do anything to, to hurt the team perspective um, is what's permeating these locker rooms and the conversation around this. And I, I just don't think it's, I don't think it's uh, accurate to assume that that's the case. Um, I think there, there are a lot of benefits for coaches for to having some of these guys move on quickly. Um and make that and future early in the process of practice. Yep. Also, you mentioned that you wonder how that conversation went with the player and the coach. I'm not quite sure that the conversation went with the player and the coach. It may have been with the agent and the coach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that could have been it. No, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah, no but doubt. It was, a, it was great. It was, I mean, it was a Harlem night. It was a Harlem night kind of thing, huh? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. They called him up. Tell your mama ain't never coming home no more. 
take it easy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it was one of those, you know. It, it, definitely, it was one of those, like, yo, yeah, just tell him I ain't coming. <laughs> just tell him I ain't coming back. You know, well, what do you want me to say? Just tell him I ain't coming back. What you mean what I want you to say? I ain't coming back. <laughs> I ain't playing no games, you know. Speaking of not playing in games. The way, the way these kids do it, they text messages. They probably text the coach. Tweeted it. <laughs> Tweeted at the coach. <laughs> at Stanford football, <laughs> at Coach Shaw. I ain't playing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, at Stanford football, at Coach David Shaw, Chris McCaffrey. I ain't playing. <laughs> All right. I ain't sorry. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't want to waste no characters. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. So, speaking of not playing, um, this wasn't on a rundown, but I was just thinking about this. The Minnesota football team. Oh, man. This is a mess. So, if if you're not aware of the situation – there's a, uh, 10 football players from the football team were suspended. Um, there's a sexual assault allegation that is currently um, floating around. They were suspended from or kicked off the team or suspended from the team. Um, a couple of them are up for potential expulsion from the university. Um, and the football team was going to boycott all football activities until their teammates were as, and boycotting uh, the bowl game. Um just a mess, a little bit of a mess. Just a little bit of a mess. Um, I don't want to get into details, the accusations, and things like that. But this is the thing I will say, just in general, for all you college athletes, this is the wrong way to leverage uh, to leverage your power. I'll just leave it at yeah. that. That's that's all I'm gonna say on it. This is you're doing it wrong. <laughs> like this ain't the time. All right, this is not the time to. And, and here's the other piece about it, right? And I said this about the University of Missouri when they kind of took that step towards striking. And I'm using air quotes for those who can't see. Um, when they took the step of striking and uh, boycotting football activities, um, was that it's a, it's a car you can only play once, really. Right? It's kind of like your ultimate trump card. And you probably could play it once. And when you play it, you got to get everything you can. Um, because they're going to be ready the next time. <laughs> they're going to be ready the next time if you're going to try to pull some shenanigans. Because, um, again, there's a lot of money on the line, and nobody wants to be held hostage in that way more than once. So no institution is going to let you pull that twice um, without putting in some safeguards to save their money. Um, and I feel like University of Minnesota football players, y'all just wasted y'all trump card on some other stuff. Uh <laughs> Yeah. Like, you know, I, I get it. You want to ride for your boys. You want to protect your boys. You want to stand up for your boys. I understand that, but you're doing it wrong. And that's all I can say. I'll let you guys weigh in on your opinions. Uh, go ahead, D. Wills. I think you said it best. When I, when I heard it, I'm like, my goodness, y'all. Um, there's a lot. There's a, yeah, this is not the one to weigh in on. Uh, it sounds like it sounds like cooler heads prevail, but. There's a whole bunch they got to address in football culture as it relates 
to uh, sexual assault and a whole bunch of other issues. And, you know, um, but again, I think, you know, it's, you know, the thing we haven't gotten to, and it'd be good to start, you know, at some point in maybe two, uh, 217, even getting some folks who are on the athletic administration side, because there's a growing movement in terms of in these athletic departments where they are beginning to know that they got some work to do and they're shifting parties and culture around some of these issues. Um, it's been interesting to watch some of the stuff up close, but you, I'm hearing a number of conversations in different circles around, you know, um, the, to be in athletic administration today, given the current times, is requiring different skill sets. And the folks who are in the power position, who are mostly money folks, having to deal with some of these more social issues and not having the capacity to pivot, very few senior officials in the country who have that capacity, um, they're finding themselves in some really tough spots. So, you know, what you see in Minnesota, it's forcing athletic departments to think about how they're staffed and how they work and the kind of player development they really got to do, not just, you know, stuff that's good for the uh, the publication and the marketing, but what deep stuff you need to be doing just to nasty. Some of that stuff is popping off in ways I didn't anticipate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. PhD, any perspective on this particular situation? Nah, I think Devon covered it well. Yeah, yeah. So you listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. We are going to roll into five on the black hand side. Again, Real Sports Guys is brought to you by Carbon World Health Solutions. Uh, make sure... Uh, you get your complete solution for fitness, health, and beauty. Go to CarbonWorldHealth.com to connect with Dr. Nestor Rodriguez and his staff to learn more about lifestyle medicine. So make sure you check him out. Uh, Dr. Rodriguez and his staff do a great job of helping you kind of do a, a kind of all points, full inspection kind of deal of your physical health, um, your lifestyle, and kind of help you begin to connect the dots of how different things are related from diet to activity to sleep habits, all those things play a role in helping you kind of maximize um, your longevity, your energy level, your performance on a day-to-day, and the folks at Carbon World Health are definitely tuned in to the techniques and tools to help you kind of better assess how can you improve your personal health, um, how can you improve your lifestyle. Um, So make sure you check them out. They have a great facility here in Madison. Um, it is a beautiful, beautiful facility. Um, check them out if you have an opportunity. Again, that's CarbonWorldHealth.com. Uh, let's go ahead and get into this five on the black. And I'm trying to get my. Got to tighten it up. Stay Got to tighten it up. I'm talking to I feel you. I feel you. Well, we're gonna go ahead and hit them with the five on the black hand side. A little something like this. Five. Oh, five. Oh, oh, on the black hand side. Yes, sir. So this edition of the five on the black hand side, we're going. We're covering the NFL stretch run. Um, you got coaches losing their jobs already. Um, you got teams uh, without quarterbacks. We got the wild card contenders. We got division winners. We got playoff predictions. We're going to hit you off a little something like this. Number one, best potential coaching jobs. Um, just ones off the top of my head. You got the Rams job, the Jaguars job, 
the Buffalo Bills job looks like it'll probably be open as Rex Ryan may lose his uh, this opportunity. And then the Colts job, the Indianapolis Colts, that job may might open up as well. Um, probably, if I had to give a probability, that's probably the least probable, but still a high probability given the uh, the tension between Pagano and the man and the GM in Indianapolis. Pagano might want to move on and be like, I'm done with this dude. I'm out. <laughs> um, and, again, that, that situation may happen in a couple other places. You know, with Drew Brees kind of getting uh, to the end of his career, you may see him and Sean Payton. Either they're going to ride this out or Payton's going to slip out of the back door before things get too bad in New Orleans. Um, so Sean, that, that job might open up. Um, but also one of these jobs might get taken by Sean Payton because I don't think he's going to be um, out of work. He's going to be a hot commodity, and somebody's going to throw a boatload of money at him. Um, so, PhD, uh, which of these jobs do you think is the best job? Well, the one, if you're a coach and, you know, people are ringing, you know, your your phone to get you to take one of these jobs, which one are you picking and why? Man. <laughs> There's only 32 of these jobs in the whole world, so I guess you can't be too picky. I mean, ask, ask Hugh Jackson with the Browns. Yeah, you, know, you, you, know, you got a job. Now <laughs> leave um, you alone, man. <laughs> yeah, I um, <laughs> the Colts. Well, so I'm a little bit hesitant to say the Colts. I think the Colts job is one that would pop up for most people. However, I'm not completely sold on Andrew Luck, man. I think that's the reason why that job would seem more attractive. Um. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll go with the Colts because I think of all the possible options, Andrew Luck is probably the best quarterback. And to win in the NFL, generally speaking, you need a good quarterback. So I'll go with the Colts. Okay. All right. D. Will, which job is the best one in your opinion? Wow, this is a tough one. Um, and, and actually, I, I, I wasn't going to go with the Colts. I'm, I'm, I'm stuck between actually um, between the Bills and the Jags. I, I, you know, Bortles threw 30 touchdowns last year. Um, when you look at the preseason for the Jags, they made extreme, they made strides on defense. Um, they got some nice offensive pieces. Um, you know, I, 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 it was something that I felt like the, I think there was something that was happening with that coaching staff. I mean, a team doesn't drop off like that. I felt like they had a really good foundation. Um, so I was leaning toward the Jacks, but I'll actually say this is a surprise to Bills. The Bills had like a, a championship-level defense that just didn't perform. I think they got some pieces on offense. Taylor is – I just think there's something about the way in which they coach and play that isn't um, giving them the full potential. I think Rex sometimes in the way he designs his teams gets in the way of the evolution of his offense. Um, and I think Tyrod Taylor has some potential. And I think they got some offensive weapons if you have someone who could be a little bit more creative with their offense. And I think they got a defense that could be um, really good. So, I mean, I, and, I, the, you know, they're avid up there, but I think they would, if, with the right approach and everything, I think Rex Rex would be there longer, but I think he just is, is the, his shelf life is hard to deal with. But I think the Bills organization um, would, would grow with you. So if I had to lean with it, 
I actually like the Bills because I think they got a lot of pieces and I think they underperformed. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can see that. I can see that. The team, I'm, I'm actually going to go with the, the one team you haven't mentioned yet, in the Rams. I don't think that's as bad of a job. I think, I, I, you know, you got Gurley at the running back's position, and a year ago he looked like, the, you know, he looked like Zeke Elliott does this year where, um, you know, and it, his line wasn't nearly what Zeke Elliott's line is. Um, their defense is very solid. It's above average and, and, you know, has had great moments this year. Um, I think what has hurt them, and we'll get into this in a little bit, they're one of those teams that has the other pieces for the most part. The quarterback play has been so terrible that things and, and, and the coaching, you know, shout out to Jeff Fisher, uh, has been so poor in that situation that they haven't been able to maximize the talent that they do have, but they're not that far away from being a good team. Um, and with the right quarterback, they could really take a big jump given that they have a great running back already in tow, some tweaking of the offensive line, and they could be a team that could make a playoff next year um, with the right system and the right coaching in place. Um, And it's Los Angeles, right? Um, And for the most part, there isn't going to be a ton of that, like, voracious fan pressure that you might deal with with some environments. Um, And you're going to have a little bit of a grace period as you kind of figure out what Jared Goff is going to be, um, if he's going to be your quarterback or if you're going to bring in an older quarterback, you're going to have a little bit of a grace period where if you go to Indianapolis, they're going to want to win right away because they got Andrew Luck. I think Buffalo, um, you know, you got some pieces there. If you can figure out the quarterback position, they could be good pretty quick. Um, and Jack, Jacksonville is really young, um, and you might have some time there. But I think that Rams job could be – uh, a quick fixer-upper um, in a short amount of time if you can find a quarterback with guys like Kaepernick going to be available, um, potentially Cutler, potentially Romo. You don't have to have a world beater. You just have, a, have, have to have a guy who's good enough, um, and they haven't had that. Um, so I think the Rams' job could be a decent gig um, if you're looking to kind of find a place to kind of, like I said, that quick fixer-upper um, for a good coach the Rams might not be a bad spot to look at. So we're going to move on to number two and the five on the black hand side. The team who can make a jump next season with a new QB. So we're kind of getting at that already. When you look at some of the teams um, who, are, who are kind of quarterback deficient, the Houston Texans, uh, the Denver Broncos, um, the New York Jets, the Cleveland Browns, um, other quarterback deficient teams, the Minnesota Vikings, uh, the Arizona Cardinals may be in that boat because Carson uh, Palmer's getting long in the tooth, the Los Angeles Rams, Chicago Bears, the San Francisco 49ers, basically all the bad teams. Um, <laughs> right. Which of these teams, yeah, I mean, that's just when I started to go through the list, I'm like, yeah, these are all the teams that are the last <laughs> in the league. Um, <laughs> which shows you how much the quarterback position matters in the NFL. But which of these teams could make the quickest jump with a Tony Romo or Jay Cutler or Colin Kaepernick on their roster next season? D. Wills, why don't you lead us off on this one? I, I mean, I think most people say Denver, but I think Houston, again, I think that division is so up and down and waiting for somebody to own it. And 
you you got components on defense. You got some offensive pieces. You got an elite receiver. Um, you got some tight end folks. You just need a quarterback. And um, they thought they had one, uh, Osweiler. Um, they got Savage, but I think you could turn that around relatively quickly. I think Houston is yeah. And you know you got Watt, you got Clowney, and Clowney's starting to come into his own as a player, um, as a force on that defense. They got some pieces on that defense to be really tough. Lamar Miller's a solid running back. Um, people forget DeAndre Hopkins can be really explosive. We yeah. got somebody to throw him the ball. Um, Will Young has been really explosive this year. Um, so they got some pieces. I, I think that's a good call. I think that's a good call. Houston could very well be a team that that jumps up and becomes really good, um, really quickly with the right quarterback, you know, and maybe that's some place Romo's interested in. They're going to have a hard deal, though, because they just got Brock Osweiler in there, um, and they paid him a good chunk of money, and, you know, you're going to be taking a double cap hit to bring in another strong quarterback um, because you're going to have to pay these dudes. Um, so that that's that's the one drawback with Houston where it probably and I won't happen. That's the ultimate. That's the ultimate indictment of Osweiler because – Hopkins has almost been quarterback proof, right? Someone was talking about that earlier today. You know, he <laughs> last year he played against what, what, like three different quarterbacks and made them all look good. Yeah, Osweiler comes in. Yeah, and, and I think I think, like I think football. Case Keenum. You know, Case Keenum, the dude that was quarterback in the Rams to mediocrity, um, was one of the guys who was back there, and yep. Hopkins still produced. Yep. So. So. Boy. Yeah, it's kind of been a mess out there. Um, PAD, which team do you think um, that is currently quarterback deficient can make the biggest jump with a, with a good quarterback next season? I like Tyrod Taylor, but I'm going to say Buffalo. They're, you know, believe it or not, Buffalo 7-7. Seven and seven. I had to look at that three times just now because you get – you know, you kind of had a feel that they're much worse than a 500 team, perhaps because expectations were higher. But Tony Romo in Buffalo, that could – I mean, they're a very good defensive football team. Um, and you have LaShawn McCoy, who's, to me, minus the health issues, he's Le'Veon Bell. Um I mean, you have the pieces around um, McCoy to be successful, and you just need a better quarterback. Yeah, I can see that working out. I mean, they are one of those teams where they do have some really strong pieces and other parts, other units on that roster, and the quarterback position has just not been – hasn't been the glue to put it all together and keep it together. Um yeah, I think that could be a really good situation as well. Um, the one I'm going to go with, and this is kind of going to be out there a little bit, but the Chicago Bears. Um, watching the Bears, there's some things. Howard is a nice running back. Um, they have some receivers, Alshon Jeffrey, Cam Meredith, um, that can do some things on the outside. Their defense is sneaky good and has been sneaky good all year really solid given the struggle that the offense has had. The Bears' defense has been solid. If they can get somebody at quarterback, and, and Matt Barkley has, they, I mean, the pieces around have made Matt Barkley look fairly decent. And I don't know if that's the reality of the situation. I don't know if Barkley's a decent NFL quarterback. 
by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but if they get a guy in there who can get some stuff done, they have the other pieces. The line has been pretty solid. Um, they just need somebody. I, I think the other guys believe in. I think that's been the biggest issue with Cutler is that he's a good player. He's inconsistent, and his inconsistencies bother his teammates. <laughs> I think that's been the biggest thing with Cutler is that his guys don't always believe in him because it doesn't look like he always believes in himself, you know. Um, so I think Chicago could be one. And I think John Fox has proven to be a good coach, in my opinion. He's won in multiple places with different kinds of teams. Um, I think he's a good coach. I kind of I kind of believe I'm buying John Fox as a good coach. And I think he can figure out how to help this team kind of get in position um, to be good with the right with the right kind of quarterback. Um, I just don't think they have that guy on their roster right now. Um, but quarterback in the NFL is such, you know, we talk about football as the ultimate team sport. That's the one position that can really um, make or break your roster. Like you can have all the other pieces in place, but if your quarterback position is out of whack, you're going to struggle. I mean, look at the Minnesota Vikings. Um, got off to a hot start. Uh, I don't know if Bradford is the answer. I think he is. The current answer, um, but I don't know if he's a long-term answer. But uh, when when that when the play at that position gets shaky, everything else kind of falls falls apart. And then you look at a team like Green Bay, where you know everything else has been shaky. You know, with a defensive secondary that was held together by you know safety pins and and, and uh, barrettes. And then you got Aaron Rodgers, who just kind of keeps it afloat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and now they're in, now that people are getting healthy again, and the secondary is coming back. Now they're in contention for a playoff spot once again. Um, and again, having a great quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks in the game, can help that happen. Not including losing their starting running back and Eddie Lacy for the season earlier in the year, and they're still in contention for a playoff spot. So. Uh, we're going to keep this thing rolling. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio, brought to you by Carbon World Health. Um, wild card contenders. There are a lot of teams still in the mix for the wild card spots in both conferences. Give me a team from each conference that you think has the best chance, a wild card team from each conference that you think has the best chance to make it to the Super Bowl. Uh, PAZ, I'll start with you. Uh, well, I believe that. Detroit Lions will actually win the last game of the season and beat the Packers. And so, but I, but I still feel like the Packers are going to make the playoffs and become that that fifth or sixth seed. I think the Packers have that potential to make it to the Super Bowl. The it almost feels like with Rodgers where it's almost like a video game where he can kind of be all over the place. And then when, when they need to play better, he can get that team locked in to play better. And, you know, I, the weather seems to play a big role in the playoffs. And I don't see the weather impacting Green Bay. Chances are if they are a wild card, they won't have any um, home games throughout the playoffs. But, I think they can go on the road and get it done. Yeah, and, and right now in the playoffs, really the only place you worry about going necessarily is New York. 
And, you know, right now, unless the Giants can catch the Cowboys over the last two weeks, they're looking at being a five seed in the playoffs. And otherwise, you're looking at going to potentially Detroit, Atlanta, um, Seattle, Dallas, where weather isn't going to be kind of a a game-changing factor um, in any of those environments. Um, And I think Green Bay, I like the Green Bay pick. I like that pick. Who do you got from the AFC? Uh, the AFC is a little bit more trickier. Um, so, I mean, wild card teams, um, probably the Dolphins. I don't see them going deep. Um, I'm not really excited about the Chiefs or, or let's say the Ravens if they make a push for Houston or Tennessee. Uh, I'm not really crazy about all those teams, but I would pick the Chiefs because of their coach, Andy Reid. Andy Reid is one of the best coaches to ever coach in the NFL. He is a pure player, Hall of Famer. And I just think that this this may be his time to make you happy. All these other... Like Drake says, all these other seasons was just practice. <laughs> Devon didn't even put cocaine on deck. <laughs> he didn't even put him on deck. He just let him go. <laughs> he just let him go. That was a bit. Of, that was a, that was that was some high level trolling right there. That was some good trolling. Yeah. You definitely got it. Yeah, <laughs> he, he, he definitely was trying to see if my 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 antennas were up about that. Uh, I, I want to qualify. My feelings for Andy Reid are not the same way I've, I've approached Jeff Fisher. Um, so you know, and uh, Phil and I have talked about that. You know, I just I think that he could have done some things to enhance. Jonathan's career by running the football a little bit more, and then he gets up to Kansas City and he running the football like he uh, like he Lombardi. So I mean, he's always been able to get to that edge and everything else. But I just felt like, and part was, you know, I felt like the Eagles could have done more. But I will leave it at that. I'm I'm putting that to the side because it's a new season. So I'll ask okay. you a question. Okay. Okay. Um, well, you give you weigh in with your team, Devon. Yeah, the wild card team. You got some interesting stuff here. So, um, um, I hate to say it, man, but the Giants, but the Giants never try to go wire to wire. They just kind of come out of nowhere, but they beginning to put some stuff together, and they just look like that ragtag bunch. Um, and um, you know, obviously in their division, Cowboys have just dominated, but I think they just slowly have gained momentum. And man, the Giants cheating, dog. The Giants cheating, man. They got walkie-talkies, <laughs> people talking to Whatever Eli they need to do. before the play. Yeah, what's up with that? Hey, <laughs> they cheating, man. You know, there's, there's always a little bit. See, the difference between cheating and gamesmanship. There's always been games. Nah, see, that's cheating, dog. Gamesmanship <laughs> is just something you could do on the spot. 
that's something you can do. You don't need no equipment for game gamesmanship. <laughs> that's my de- like that's that's a part of my definition of gamesmanship. Gamesmanship is something I can just do. I don't need to go get no yeah. specialist to be a gamesman. <laughs> you feel well, me? You know. Like I don't need to get no radio yeah. technician. I don't need to fiddle with radio waves. That's cheating. You're doing too much. <laughs> you, you doing Anything too that much. requires you a know, third I, party I, is too much. I I I I I'm there, but I think the G men uh might be uh they might be ready to do uh do some things. So um I like to people fall in love with the Packers, man, in ways that I just don't you know, I, I you know, I think I I I think the Packers get a lot of pass with the stuff that's just not good. But you know, they're the darlings, you know, anytime the Packers are there, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers said something Relax, you know, everybody jumps on board, starts to hug them. Um, they just, until they learn how to run the football, I know they got the little running game going right now, but I just don't trust it, you know, and I could be wrong, but the Giants, I like the Giants in their side. Um, uh, on the, on the um, uh, AFC, you'd be surprised, the Chiefs. I mean, um, I think they got, you know, with Barry and his, his, his rollback, that defense is dominant. Um, I think uh, Coach Reed has the balance that I hope he would have had under Donovan um, in terms of, you know, his commitment to running the football. I think their, their passing game is much more effective this year than it was last year. Um, their game travels. Um, and the Chiefs are kind of seeing that when you – they always say this historically. When you play them, you know you play them. Like, when you play the Chiefs, you're not good for another two or three weeks. Just because how physical they are on both sides of the ball, so um, I think the Chiefs can make a, make a run uh, from that wild card spot. So I I am angry. You know they might get to the championship game and falter, or they might get to the Super Bowl and falter. But I think they can make an impressive run. Okay. All right. The picks I'm going with out in the AFC again. Uh, I'm going with the Baltimore Ravens, man. And I know again, Hank, wherever you at, man. I'm telling you, you was hating when I said the Ravens in the preseason, but I'm sticking with my pick, man. I'm liking the Ravens. Um, you know, if they're you're solid. Night, solid. I might have to do a cameo. You, you got a podcast coming up. I might have to jump on because he, he, he did call you out. I do got to give you some space. You know, you know, hey, you listen, get a chance listen. to fuck. He can't. I got facts on my side. He just talking. <laughs> He just talking. I got facts. I got facts. I mean, the Ravens, the Ravens record eight six. The Lions record. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, hey, I'm 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 pretty good at this football at this football thing for for the moment right now. You know what I'm saying? I'm in two fantasy football championships, and my picks all worked out for the uh, for the season as well. So I mean, I'm kind of I'm kind of made right now. He can, he can fall back. <laughs> He might want to make a prediction that, that sticks before he comes talking to me. You know what I'm saying? As the old saying goes, you know, dogs bark at the moon all the time. When the moon barks back, the dog's famous. All right? Shots fired. We good, oh, Hank. We good, Hank. It's official. It's official. <laughs> No, so I like the Baltimore Ravens. I think they could make it happen. The one thing, question I have with them is their run game. Um, I don't know if they're going to be able to manufacture enough offensively. Their defense is solid as always. It's not 
a true Ravens defense, as we know the Ravens defenses to have been in the past, but it is a very good defense. Um, the offense is the one question mark, but again, the way football is going to be played and some of the uh, locales that they may wind up at in New England, um, a Pittsburgh, Kansas City, places like that that might make the playoffs. Um, if Baltimore gets in, I think they can have a shot against some of those teams. Um, because, again, none of these teams are necessarily explosive offensively, so it's not like um, Baltimore's bringing uh, a, a knife to a gunfight. They'd be bringing a slightly smaller knife to a knife fight um, in the AFC because none of these offenses are necessarily, I would categorize, as explosive. Oakland, um, maybe Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh has its days where it's not clicking on all cylinders. Um, Oakland hasn't been clicking since uh, – uh, Carr hurt his finger. They haven't been really as explosive, and New England keeps getting guys hurt um, on offense, and that that's a struggle for that's going to be a struggle for them to be the same team that they have been all season um, down the stretch when they they're, they're constantly losing key pieces to that offense. Um, and Belichick is good, but you know, and Brady is good, but you got to have somebody to throw it to um, and to really win it. Um, so I think the Ravens got a shot, got as good a shot as anybody in the AFC and the team I like in the NFC. That's a wild, that's in one of those wild card slots that might make some noise. Um, you know, you said the Packers and I think the Packers are a logical choice. I'm going to go a little illogical and I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, their defense has been playing well of late. Um, Jameis is a big game quarterback. Um, he's starting to figure out it, figure things out, um, how to play, how to run his team. Um, they seem to be well-organized, well-coached. Tampa Bay could make some noise. I'm not ready to say they could make it to the Super Bowl, but I think if I had to pick another team outside of the Packers who could potentially kind of make it, make some noise in a playoff, um, it would be Tampa Bay. Um, Minnesota I don't trust. Washington I don't trust. Um, so yeah and Green Bay would be the, the kind of logical choice but Tampa is the team that I think um, of those other teams that are in the wild card hunt in the uh, NFC Tampa's the other one I like um, to possibly if they get in to make some noise in the playoffs you going to say something D. Wills? No I think the only thing I was going to say about the, 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 the Pittsburgh thing about being explosive I mean you spent the first part of the season without Le'Veon then you have been hurt. But if you watch them now that they both have been in the lineup um, together and getting a rhythm, that is a team with an explosive offense in and in their defense that is maturing and getting better. So it would be interesting to see now that they've gotten a rhythm of of everybody being together for a few weeks, you start to see them play differently. So, um, I, you know, I like – I don't know if I trust them. I, have, I, don't, I don't know what a Flacco without Ray Lewis – does in the playoffs. That's that's the part I haven't seen. Flacco without Ray. Kind of like a mature Osweiler. Right. So <laughs> oh, come on, man. Give him more credit than that. He got a Super Bowl. <laughs> come on, man. When's Flacco been? He won a Super Bowl. He, 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 he borderline yeah. stealing. I mean, I'm he's still an Osweiler. That ain't Osweiler's almost like how bad he was before. That's still a money. 
You know, I, I don't know, man. And, I, and it's hard to say. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a friend of the hardball. I love John. Want to want to know that he's gonna win, but I don't trust Flacco, man. Without Rex, because Flacco played because he knew he had to go back over there talk to Rex. You don't want to come back, man. See, that's that's and, that Pittsburgh. That's yeah. that Pittsburgh Steelers fan coming out, man. Your terrible towel show. No, man. Come on. That Look at Flacco for Flacco. What is Flacco? What is Flacco doing? If he ain't throwing a deep ball, what is he doing? Winning games. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness! What's his record? What's his record since the Super Bowl? Is it below five hundred? Man, you dropped you, you dropped your terrible towel. You dropped your terrible towel. Pick it up. No, I'm just I'm saying. Pick it up, put it back in your bag, man. I like Harbaugh. I like I like I I like Suggs. Love you some Suggs. You don't like Flacco though. You don't like Flacco. I get it. I get it. You a Steelers fan? You just like when Bears fans don't like Aaron Rodgers. I get it. No, come on, man. Now give me a reason to like Flacco. You don't need a reason to like Flacco. You're a Steelers fan. No, I'm saying you're a Steelers I'm fan. You don't need to like Flacco. Good, good, good. I like, I like Sir. No, you're not. I'm not hating no, you're not. No, you're not. I'm not you're, no, you're not trying to look at him no other way than I'm a Steelers fan. I can't like this dude. Oh, see, now you got to twist my word. I'm, I'm trying to use facts. And, 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 and I'm okay with that. But see, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with. I'm not going to tell you he's a leader. You got to leave. I don't. I don't, I don't, say know, I don't see him carrying. I don't see him carrying. Like, is he earning that contract? I'm still asking that question. I'm not trying to. He don't have is to. He earning his contract. He don't have huh? to. He just has to be. He oh, has to be. He wasn't he earning that contract before. He ain't never earned a contract. He just has to be the guy they need him to be, and they just need him to be all right. <laughs> when you when you have right. Right. They ain't got Ray on the other side of the ball. They ain't got that same. That's kind of fine, but they people. just need him to be all right. They just paying. They paying him to be all right. <laughs> all right. But People need to get off right this flacco. Need to be. <laughs> it has before. All right. All right. A <laughs> right, right, win a game in October. All right. All, all right. He gonna get you the big win in the NFC Championship. He got to make. But that's play. the best answer they got. But that's the best answer they got. I understand that. So they gotta run. I mean, they I, gotta I run that back. Harbaugh's good, <laughs> good with smoking mirrors, but you trust him against Brady. Without right, but see this, is, but see this is a, this is a, so this is where I get frustrated with the NFL type because it's like, no, Flacco is not great, no, Andy Dalton is not great, but okay, so if you get rid of one of them, who you finna get? Brock Osweiler, right. okay, how'd that work out? Look at Denver, but I'm not right. I'm they not on the outside that, looking I'm in. Saying, I'm saying who's gonna make a run? I'm just going with your question. I'm not looking at replacing them. Right, and I'm saying you can make a run. run. Peyton Manning I, wasn't very I, good I'm last year. You can make I'm a run with a mediocre me. quarterback. I'm, I, and, and right, I'm another mediocre quarterback. <laughs> but 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 there's a lot more solidness around it, right? Like they got I, I they got leaks in Baltimore all over. Like I understand that, but you was coming at Flacco. Like Flacco was the problem. I hear you, but you was coming at Flacco like he's the problem. No, the he problem is. is there isn't a whole lot around him. For the money, no, he's he got, not. He should be carrying. No, him. he's not. Like, he's like not the problem. Rogers carrying him. Yes. They're like three dudes that are going to do that. There's three dudes that are going to do that. If you don't have one of those three dudes, you just got to have somebody that's all right. And Flacco's all right. So, so all right. And you pay right him to be all right. right. In Foxborough. Possibly. Right, so got him last year. Right. Hey, man, it was all right last year. <laughs> got it done. But all, he was all right with a, with a world-class defense. 
world class. But, that, but that's what I'm saying. So why are you coming at Flacco? Come at the defense. He ain't got to do it. Flacco, it, if the defense is the factor, Flacco just got to be all right. <laughs> they I'm, need I'm a better defense. That's what you Flacco should be saying. But, not Flacco's, but, but, not, not his Flacco's fault. But you, but you talk about Peyton Manning and <laughs> the AARP card. Everybody knew Peyton was one one. But Flacco's supposed to be in the prime of his career. No, he's not. We he's not, dude. Who, still, who is still having this conversation about Flacco we being anything? All right. right. We need Ain't nobody you saying Flacco's supposed to carry them. Flacco's supposed to be okay. Right. Now we need you to be 60-40 Flacco. And you, you no, they don't need him to be that, no, man. man. They ain't paying him for that. They ain't paying him for that. See, that's that Steeler fan, man. They ain't paying him for that. That's all right. Look, look. Steelers is great example. Steelers defense in transition, and Big Ben is being 67. Because we need you. When the defense gets right there, we're pulling you back towards 50. Good for Ben. Ben better than Flacco. Ben is better than Flacco. But they paying Flacco like he's been money. Come on, man. No, I'm they paying fan. Flacco to be all right. They paying Flacco because he's the best they can do. <laughs> so, okay. I'm Flacco just, is I'm the best they could have done, man. Coming true. I'm going to figure out how your prediction is coming true if he's just all right when he don't, his defense is in transition. Because he just, that's all he's going to be. Devon, that's all he ever going to be. Reconcile. I, I then, then, then how can you, <laughs> then you need to go to Kansas City. If that's all I'm just be. saying we need to. Re- I mean, we just need to reconcile. Flacco's all right, like, and it's okay that he all right. They want him to be all right. With it, all right they cool all right with that. Don't get you past any of the elite teams in the AFC. They want a Super Bowl with it. They gonna run that back. They ain't got no other option. They ain't got no other option. They gotta run that back. <laughs> like they just gotta run so, that back. So, so, so you think you 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 like you like Harbaugh gonna do some special teams genius? They got about three or four kick up returns and touchdowns. It's gonna be one of them kind of games. Which I can see. You never know. You never know. All right. All right. All right. You know what I'm saying? But the whole like coming at Flacco, like, yep, he's mediocre. I mean, not mediocre. He's above average. You know what I mean? Like he's an above average quarterback, and that's all he's gonna be. And Baltimore's obviously cool with that, and they know they don't have a better option. Nobody's available that they can get that's necessarily head and shoulders like better than him. So they just gotta keep running his back. And you got to pay to run it back. <laughs> like that's the name of the game nowadays. I agree with that. You either got one of the dudes, or you got a dude kind of one of the dudes. That's a first round loss. Divisional uh, AFC championship big on good. But Brady don't win it every year, and he's great. Aaron Rodgers only won one, and he's great. So having a great one doesn't mean you're gonna get there either. So, so some of these great ones yeah, get beat by but, some but, mediocre but, QBs and some above-average QBs, but, but, right? Yeah, but in those teams who don't, they have an elite defense. And Baltimore usually has elite defense, but they're rebuilding that defense. So they need their quarterback to be more than just average this year. Yeah, but he's not going to be. <laughs> and that's the thing. He's not going to be. He's not going to be. So they're going to have to figure out other ways to win. I, I, I'm like, but again, I love Harbaugh, but that, that, that Cinderella, that Cinderella, that pumpkin don't come out about midnight. <laughs> but at the same time, though, like, what, what elite defenses are, are going to be left, though, right? I mean, like, the Texans defense is strong if they make it. The Chiefs defense is solid. The Patriots defense is okay. Their defense is kind of in transition. It's not gangbusters. 
Um, the Raiders' defense is solid, but they, they have days where they give up 35, 40 points. They've had a, quite a few shootouts that they've been involved in. The Steelers' defense is in transition. But like I said, they're bringing a, ni- a, less, a smaller knife to a knife fight. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's not like the Broncos ain't making it this year. <laughs> so there isn't that defense in there where you got to be, where you have to be Tom Brady or Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers to win a game in the playoffs. It's some okay defenses, and it's going to be some okay quarterbacks, and they just need Flacco to be okay. Flacco bring that small knife, they're going to take his lunch money. But I will talk Let me borrow your terrible towel, man. I need to wipe some sweat off my brow, man. Let me get that terrible towel real quick. (laughs) (laughs) You listen to Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com. If we come on the show and you hear we are the champions on the next podcast, you know it went down. <laughs> See, this is hey, you gonna hear regardless. Right now, you gonna hear that's regardless. Hey, I got Le'Veon. I got Zeke. I'm good. All right. <laughs> I got Le'Veon and Zeke. Yeah, how y'all let me do that? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just glad to be here, man. I'm glad to be here to check, just, you know. I'm just, I'm just hopeful. Oh, Ask him, Phil. Ask him. How they let him? How they let? How they let this cat do that? How y'all let Game Changer do that? How y'all let him get Le'Veon, and y'all let him get Z? Yeah, what round you get uh, I got Elliot in the first, and they were sleeping on Le'Veon because he had a little suspension. I said I'm gonna bite that bullet. If I can get both of these cats popping, it's a wrap. <laughs> yeah. I took him in. I think the second and third round, I took Le'Veon. Um, and I just yeah. said, I'm going I'm to just bite know, this bullet Phil, and suck it up for the first three weeks. Phil, I'm hearing them like 1989 Illinois, uh, uh, the applying the line. Uh, you know, I'm just six, six across the board. We all can defend. <laughs> we all can score. <laughs> we all can rebound. And, you know, I feel we got one superstar. You know, we, we, got, we, got, we got Kendall. We got some flashes. But we all can do. You can't, we, we, we switching on all screens. Man, what was up with Marcus Liberty's mustache? I don't know. Right. And the the hairstyle. It it just kind of – it didn't work. It didn't work. It didn't work quite a lot. Hey, you know you – hey, I wanted a mustache like that. (laughs) Right. He had a young, old look. He had a young, old look. Yeah, I mean, it was like he had a bold cut. Like, his fade was never blended in. <laughs> his fade never faded. It just stopped. It just stopped. It never faded. It just ended. It was hair and scalp. It was hair, then it was scalp. <laughs> There was no blend. There was no blend whatsoever. <laughs> like the barber just like like the blade like the guard just fell off as the barber was going over. It was like, yeah, you, we just gonna have to grow with that. We gonna go no bar. We gonna go. We gonna go low blade, low blade to hair. <laughs> Too much fun, man. We having too much fun. 
So we go. Uh, we gonna wrap this up talking NBA. Uh, first thing I want to get into is there's been a little scuttle about players resting um, on after back to backs and that kind of stuff. And we've kind of talked about this. You know, we when the NBA's last CBA was up, we did a little exercise on the show where we kind of restructured and came up with our own structuring of the NBA. Uh, league and everything, and we even did some contraction and got rid of some teams and and a bunch of – we just kind of worked it out, switched up the schedule. We fixed we, – we, we just tried to fix the league as best we could. Um, and I think one of the things we tried to address in that is this idea that, like, all of these games is just too daggone much. Basketball yep. is a very physically taxing sport. It's not It's not as physical as football. Um, as far as the beating you take on your body, but it is on your joints and the running and the jumping. It's hard to do that for 82 games at a high level. Um, so, you know, LeBron sat out when they went to Memphis and that was a big deal because the Memphis people wanted to see the big three. PhD, do you feel like teams have a responsibility to roll out their best players when they go into, uh, into some of these other environments and, and people are, are paying to see superstars. Like, they pay the ticket to see the Cavs because they want to see Kevin Love and Kyrie and LeBron. And when they don't show up, do you feel like the Cavs owe the fans, the Memphis fans, an opportunity to see those players? No, they do not. And I so – these coaches, these players, they get fired, especially the coaches. They get fired if they don't – make the playoffs, win a championship, whatever the expectations are. If they don't meet them, they get fired. And so if you feel like you need to – if you're Ty Lue and you feel like, hmm, if we win 62 games versus 57, I'm okay with that because we'll still have a first or second seed in the East. Plus, my guys will be fresher. It's going to reduce, in, like, the risk for injury. I'm okay with them making that decision. Now, I'll also say that I'm in Cleveland, so when I go see the Cavs play, and I'm not really concerned about who Toronto brings or who Memphis brings, because I'm always going to be able to see Kyrie and LeBron play. So I'm, you know, I recognize that position that I'm in. But no, generally speaking, I don't have a problem with it. You know, I was listening to the Dan Patrick show, and they had mentioned. They had pulled up something on the Memphis Grizzlies website, and they had sold a ten a ten seat pack a ten ticket package, and um, they have multiple ones. But for this one, they advertised, "Hey, buy this package, and you'll be able to see LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavs come in town." Now, now, now that I have a problem with, I do, I do because. The, the Grizzlies or the, you know, another team, they are kind of falsely advertising if you want to get that technical, if you want to get that technical. But that has nothing to do with the Cavs. I don't feel like they have a responsibility at all to to the Memphis fans. Yeah, and, and I don't, I, yeah, I don't think so either. I don't know if you feel differently, D. Wills. How do you feel about it? Hey man, these coaches got a sore self self life, and you know everybody doesn't have the pop the pop of this card. They got to do what they got to do. Um, the league 
is trying to milk out as many games as they can milk out for business reasons. And, you know, Cleveland, LeBron is an investment. They got to watch it. They want him to be around as long as possible. Um, and the, the byproduct of this is that we've had amazing playoffs, right? So people could say, you know, these, last, these, last, these past whatever years where this has kind of escalated, um, you know, the, the regular season might be, you know, you get heartburn, but we've had amazing playoff series because we have folks who are rested and ready to go and really endure that run. We've had some amazing – so our benefit has come in April, May, and June. So that's what I would argue. But, you know, hey, you know, as long as the economy measures is winning and losing, you got to do whatever you need to do to keep from losing. Yeah, and I think that's that's the piece of this that people uh, kind of overlook is the role that the media and fans have played in kind of creating this, right? Like now, like people joke, people make fun of the Warriors for their regular season record you know, and, and winning 73 games, but then not winning uh, the championship. Um, and as a result of that, you're going to have people resting people because if they're going to be – if winning 73 games and setting the record for wins in a regular season makes you the butt of jokes because you don't win a championship, then you're going to see people trying to win the championship. And that means they want to be healthy going into the championship series. Um, and that's what you're going to see. And as you said, PAZ, if I'm the Cavs, I ain't got no love for no Memphis fans. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care if y'all get to see LeBron or not. We got to do what we got to do. We got to take care of us. We got to take care of this locker room. We got to take care of our players. Memphis can take care of whoever they want. They they, they can – they sold you some uh, magic beans, all right? You go back to the person <laughs> that sold you the magic beans. Um, you should have kept Lionel Hollins. You should have kept Lionel Hollins. You wouldn't be worried about this in the first place. So that's right. That's right. That's right. 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 Don't be worried about who you coming to see. Right. They should be okay winning fifty games a year. Be okay with that. You're Memphis. Yeah, just be in the mix. Like, and then there's gonna be that one year where people get like Dallas. Like, I I look at the Mavericks all the time. Like, the Dallas Mavericks just hung around. For you know, eight years, just being a fifty-win team, and then that one year, some injuries happen, some stuff goes right, and they find them. They woke up. They was in the finals. Like what? How do we get here? Let's go ahead and see if we can win it. You know what I'm saying? That's what you got to do, man. You got to play the long. You got to play the long kind. You can't just like long, expect yeah. to win it in one foot in one fell swoop. You gotta gotta hang around for a minute. You know, if you ain't got no superstar. You know, you got to kind of hang around for a minute, you know. But but the other piece of this is that, you know, these 80, the 82-game schedule is taxing. Um, you know, stretching the season out or shortening the season is definitely something that is, should be looked at. I know in the new CBA they're going to start, start it a couple of weeks earlier so that they can decrease the amount of back-to-backs and the amount of five game, four games and five night kind of situations. Um, but I think the league is starting to become more conscious of the impact that that is having on its best players. Um, you know, I watched the game, you know, earlier in the season where the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder played the Boston Celtics on a Thursday, and then they had to turn around on Friday and play the Golden State Warriors. And it's just like, yo, that's not fair. <laughs> that's just not fair. I mean, like, 
Golden State been kicking it with their feet up, and y'all just got done playing a, a game that went to overtime the night before. Um, and now y'all got to show up, and they got banged by 30. I mean, they got smashed by 30, and it was like, what was what else was going to be the result? Like, you know, Russ is going out trying to triple-double every night. Like, give that brother's rest. <laughs> you know what I mean? Give him a couple of nights off, and he might be able to do that. Like, he might actually be able to average a triple-double if he had a night off every now and again um, between games, you know. So I think those things kind of matter. Um, as we finish up, the San Antonio Spurs retired Tim Duncan's jersey. Um, I just want to talk about it real quick. Like, how are you guys in, in your in, on your list in your kind of uh, personal pantheon of great players? Where does Tim Duncan fit? Um, you know, we kind of said farewell to Kobe, another great player of that era. Um, one, where does Tim Duncan fit all time for you? And then also, where does he fit in this current in the Previous era, the 2000s, late 90s to 2000s. Where does Tim Duncan fit for you, PhD? Wow. Well, I think with his in in the era, there's there's not more than two or three guys I put in front of him. I'd uh, I'd put LeBron in front of him. Um, I would not put Kobe in front of him. Um, if do we consider Shaq to be in his era? I I guess I yep, guess yep. so. Yeah, I guess. So Shaq's the guy that I Shaq Shaq and Duncan. That would be interesting. I'm not sure which one I put first. So. Those are the only guys that I would – LeBron's the only guy I would put in front of him without a question. And Shaq, it would be questionable. So so I think Duncan, I would put him ahead of Garnett, ahead of Kobe. I don't know if there's anybody else in discussion in that generation I'm not thinking of right now. But So I would put Duncan at two, possibly as low as three for his generation, I would, historically speaking, I think clearly he'd be in my top 15. For me, he would probably even be a little bit higher. Like, I would put him ahead of guys um, like Dr. J or Jerry West. You know, guys that often are in the top 10, They he, he would go ahead of them for me. Because Duncan was a guy that he didn't excite us as much. But if you're building a championship team, you're never going to be upset if that's your building block. And if he's your second best player, you're set. So, and another thing I liked about him is that he, he, his career even on the back end, was pretty graceful in terms of he was no longer a guy that was going to get you 25 points a night, but he became, defensively, he was still pretty formidable until the end. You know, the last last season was the only year that was really questionable where you questioned, was he still an all-star? But there's not many other NBA players 
I mean, you, like you have a hard time listing more than ten NBA greats that um, had a better end to their career. I mean, Duncan's not a guy that, again, he never really got me excited. But but when I'm objectively looking at what he brought to the court in terms of leadership, in terms of just straight out balling, um, his passing skills were good. Really, he was solid. That, that's the other thing. I think he's one of the best, you know, top five two-way players offensively and defensively. So, like, those are my thoughts with Duncan. Well said. I think you summed up a lot of good arguments. Um, I want, I want, I'm going to let D. Wills weigh in, and I'll give my opinion. Go ahead, D. Wills. Well, you remember we, we ranked the top 50 players of all time. I'm looking at my list. I do want to say I had 1,000 people view my list. I feel like a baller right now. Um <laughs> I had Duncan. At, um, I, I feel I, I feel honored. Um, I had a Duncan at eight on that list, and so you say, well, and that you know now where would I put him? I think he's. I think I still have him at eight. Um, I would have to move LeBron. I had LeBron at ten. I'd have to move LeBron up the list now. Um, I'm not sure where I'll move him, but he'll definitely move up the list. But it might mean Larry Bird might bump back. I might jump. I might I might move Duncan. You know, I might have still have him at eight. And so. Um, I think, you know, the people I have ahead of him is Larry Bird, Bill Russell, Oscar Robinson, Kareem, Magic, Wilt, and Mike. I mean, he's the greatest power forward of all time. Um, I just think that, you know, I don't. He doesn't really change for me. I had him at eight, and I think he's still there. Yeah. Um, as far as as far as the era. Um, I'm with PhD. I think he's top two, three at worst. Um, yeah, I think LeBron is probably the most gifted, best player of the of that 2000 kind of era. Um, but I think Duncan is right there as one of the best um, of all time. I think he's a. If I were to redo my list, he'd be in my top ten. Um, for sure. I don't know exactly where he'd be in my top 10, but if my top 10 did not have Tim Duncan in it, I would have to rethink. I would have to take a long look at my list and figure out where, where am I, who, who, who's ahead of him and, and why. And I would have to really think about that and be able to articulate that um, in my explanation. I think he's one of the top 10 players of all time, um, easily. Um, I, 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 you know, he's definitely, to me, Outside of LeBron, the top guy in this of the of the recent era, um, and I think he gets overlooked. He's not going to be in the Facebook Hall of Fame. You're not going to see him on memes um, asking which top five, which five guys would you want. He just doesn't get that type of love. Um, but as Phil spoke to, the reason he uh, he aged so gracefully is because of the kind of game he had. He had a game that was based on skill and not necessarily athleticism, and that allowed him to play and be effective at dang near 40. Um, He was still able to be um, an all-star level player, an impactful level player, a player that when he wasn't on the court, his team was different, right? Like that was Duncan even at the end of his career. When he wasn't out there for the Spurs, they were a different team, Um and not in a good way. They were a worse team when he wasn't on the floor. There aren't a lot of guys who age that way um, 
you know, Kobe, uh, who when he's on the when he's off the floor, his team gets worse. Um, Kobe's team was just bad, <laughs> and now they're actually somewhat functional, obviously under a new coach, but with with his presence gone. Um, so I think you know it it was a great way to say farewell to Tim Duncan. It's good to see that. His uh, jersey number retired, and it's also good to see the Spurs are still winning, man. And that's it—that's just they just—that's just what they do. I mean, it, as Jay Z said, is he ever gonna stop? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, are they ever gonna stop winning out there? I don't know. I don't know if they'll ever not be good out there in uh in San Antonio. But Tim Duncan is at the core of that, and and a lot of the values that he embodied as a player uh, have become a part of the fabric of that franchise um, and have gone, gotten passed down to Kawhi Leonard and Tony Parker and LaMarcus Aldridge who are now carrying that torch. Um, and, and, and Pop is still at the, at the head of the ship. Um, so, uh, yeah, Tim Duncan, I mean, he's going to be high on my list um, for sure. So that'll do it for this edition of Real Sports Guys. Uh, check us out at realsportsguys.com RSG Renegade Radio brought to you by Carbon World Health uh, make sure you check them out at carbonworldhealth.com uh, we're out of here fellas let's get it